This is Aftermath, giving you the week that was in MMA. Shaman the voice with the bearded wonder himself, Josh Musil. What's going on, Josh? What's going on, man? Oh, I'm I'm okay. I'm okay. If it this feels like deja vu, like. We just did this, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so strange. Yeah. Uh, 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 listening audience, just to uh, uh, fight fans, I should say, <laughs> let you in on the inside joke. We were starting this, and I got a call, which cut off everything. So we're starting back, <laughs> and uh, we'll just jump right into things, picking up where we left off, uh, where no one else knows about. But uh, UFC 225 had performance of the night by Charles Oliveira, who got a guillotine choke on, as I stated before, uh, Animal himself, uh, the real-life Animal. Uh, that should be his nickname uh, outside of the Cardinals. It should be Animal, because uh, he truly is an animal. Clay Guida, and then Razor Blades, Curtis Razor Blades, Use those razors to open up Alistair Overeem's head and, and dribble his head and open it up. Mm-hmm. I, I shudder just thinking about it. Uh, the voices marquee matchup was Holly Holm versus Megan Anderson, and uh, Holly Holm came out with the win there. And then the fight of the night was the main event Robert the Reaper. Whitaker, aka Bobby Knuckles, against Yoel, the soldier of God, Romero. Uh, you were giving some good information when we were doing this before, so I'm gonna turn it back over to you uh, <laughs> to, to share all that wonderful knowledge that you have. Awesome, uh, because I actually did forget uh, a pretty massive part of why that fight uh, turned. After about the third, about the third round, uh, but yeah. as we were saying before, in the fight, um, Whitaker did did take the victory. Um, I, we we discussed a little bit of uh, I still haven't come up with a better word, but controversy. There was a lot of uh, both analysts and just general fight fans that thought that there could have been and possibly should have been at least one ten eight round in favor of Romero. And you mm-hmm. make the argument that there could have possibly been two, the third and the fifth round. Right. Uh, I did not think that the fifth round, even though as, as brutal as it looked, um, it was, I mean, he had, a, he, I think he clipped him. Uh, Whitaker almost went down, clipped him again. Whitaker did go down. And then Romero just kind of laid on him. Uh, Whitaker got his head around, get his, get his head back in the fight, stood up, and they kind of traded. Uh, I thought that was a, a pretty nine round but the 10 the 10 8 that was close on my card was the third round uh mm-hmm. where i believe romero took him down a number of times and at one point i thought was going to finish the fight with uh, some ground and pound but whitaker was able to to withstand it was able to de- intelligently defend himself and was able to make it out i did not have a problem with the decision uh the the split decision of whitaker i had on my scorecard of 48 47 
And what we were discussing that I've seen more often than not is that the champion, uh, you, you typically have to take the belt from the champion. I, I understand this wasn't a title fight due to missed weight uh, on Romero's part. Um, but nonetheless, uh, most times when I see these, these things go to the judge's scorecard, if you haven't done enough to actually take it from the champion, they will not give it to you. They're going to err on the side of the champ. Um, so you really have to, if, you're, if you've got the opportunity to put him away, you need to put him away. I think if Romero would have stayed on him in the fifth round, he almost certainly would have gotten a 10-8 and how uh, lopsided the, the fifth round was. Instead, he was also gassed and kind of laid on his back uh, after he knocked him down. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I thought the decision was fair and it was, a, it was a good decision. But what I forgot to mention is that Robert Whitaker broke his hand Yes. About midway point in the first round. And I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I know when the blow was because I looked at the friend of mine that was with me and told him that I thought that if he did not break his hand on that punch, he hurt his hand because he went with a very strong uppercut and I watched it smash into Romero's elbow. I mean, mm-hmm. just as hard as you could get. I watched the ripple go down Romero's bicep and his shoulder and I figured if he did not break his hand, he hurt it. It took me a while because I think he was still throwing that right hand in the second round. But I think at that point it started to hurt and he stopped throwing the right hand. I didn't notice until I saw him throwing right elbows, uh, which I thought was strange because that's when he got clipped once was when he tried to close the distance and throw a right elbow instead of the right hook. And mm-hmm. uh, I think they started to mention it sometime in the fifth round that the, the, uh, I believe it was Joe Rogan and Jimmy Smith this time, which was pretty interesting as well. Um, But I think they started to mention it and uh, really got my attention. I actually shared on Twitter and Instagram the, uh, uh, the, the x-ray of his right thumb broken clean in half. (laughs) Right. So it was, if I'm not mistaken, I think he said that it happened in the third round. Uh, So the shot that you're talking about probably softened it up. And then with the, continued force being exerted by punches uh snapped in the in the third round and i can i definitely see that because that's when i noticed that he stopped throwing it was in the third so that that would make perfect sense that he might have heard it to begin with and then finished it off somewhere in the third yeah it, it was a phenomenal fight um i actually thought that round five was if anything, was the 10-8 because he dropped him twice. With you saying that, because you say he, he went down a bit, and he dropped him. He dropped him uh, twice in that round. So I thought that that could have been a 10-8 because of that. But then thinking back to what you said about the third round, where he did, he dropped him, and then he was hitting with the ground and pound, and I thought it was going to be stopped as well. Yes. And it wasn't stopped. Think now, <laughs> Going back uh, in retrospect playing armchair uh judge now i can see why romero was upset because had both of those been scored as 10-8 rounds then he would have won the fight Mm -hmm. you know he would have won it now initially i was like no uh uh whitaker won the fight And and i still agree that that was the best decision to make as far as the fight is concerned but talking about it again now i definitely understand those who saw it for uh romero and why they may have seen it for romero because both of those were 10-8s and they very well could have 
yes. probably should have been, then um, we'd be talking about a trilogy fight. I, I, I actually agree. This is not, uh, and I'm in 100% agreement. If somebody comes up to me and tells me that should have been a majority draw or a split decision the other way, I, I honestly can't argue with it. I mean, like I said, I can explain how I saw it with the lack of activity on the knockdowns of the fifth round. Um, and I could even give it, you know, that, that, that there was enough volume from Whitaker in the third round after he got hit and before he got hit to even that one out. But this isn't like it was with the, what was it, the Till-Thompson fight where it seemed like it was very one-sided and the judges got it wrong. Um, this one, I, right. I agree with you, could very easily have gone either way. And I, honestly, I would have been okay with the decision either way. Honestly, I would have been almost more impressed if they did give the two 10-8s and you would win the two rounds and win the fight. <laughs> that would have right. been impressive to me. I, I think at the very least, one 10-8 should have been scored and it should have been a draw. Uh, yeah. Although I I I don't remember talking about the Till Thompson fight, but well, no, that fight was so close. I can't say that Till winning was a um, that that was a, a a robbery. It was just a razor razor thin fight. And honestly, I thought, and again, I don't remember if we talked about this or not. I thought in that fight, with it being in Liverpool. And it being that close, there was no way that Thompson was going to get it. Exactly. It kind of goes back to what we were saying with the the champion typically gets the call. Um, that sometimes works with the uh, the hometown as well in a big main event fight. You have to take it from him. There's already a bias. Not, not that anything's cheating, but when you're at home, every tiny little punch is going to draw this massive crowd reaction, which therefore influences you as the judge. When mm-hmm. he hits a small, a small little jab and the whole crowd, oh, you you tend to think, man, that was a good hit. You know, it's just right. human nature. You know? Same thing happens if you're you're, you're sitting at the, the sports bar or whatever and, and, and the big play happens and everybody starts yelling. You're, you snap to that screen as quick as you can and – even if right. it was just a routine catch, you know, of 10 yards in football, you know, everybody's freaking out about it because you're in a home base. It makes it seem like it was way cooler than just a routine, you know, first down or whatever it might be. Uh, definitely the influence is there. Um, so, yep. Yeah, and, and from one who's been able to see some pretty good fights at home, uh, boxing and MMA, but boxing specifically, uh, seeing some Corey Spinks fights, I remember one fight, uh, Corey was punching the guy in the neck for the most part. I mean, his, his neck was so red after the fight. But every punch, every, even the misses, if it's a big miss, it gets a lot, a lot of something. Or, you know, you it's a glancing blow, but because the crowd is behind you, it, it definitely... Uh, it definitely can impact the judging. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, just real quick, like I said, Holly Holm, as far as the voices marquee matchup, can't get out of here without uh, giving a little bit of a recap on that. Yeah, absolutely. I was so impressed by two things. And one thing that everyone talked about was her wrestling, which was great. Mm-hmm. But what impressed me even more than that, or maybe in conjunction with that, is how strong Holly Holm is. Megan Anderson is a real 
uh, featherweight. She cuts down from 170 to get to 145. So she has to drop 35 pounds just to make the limit. And Holly was the stronger person. She was manhandling her. And that's what really stood out. I was like, man, look at how easily she's just tossing her around. Like that, that was crazy. So uh, kudos to her. I know she wants to go back to 135 and actually winning this fight at <laughs> featherweight probably gives her the opportunity to fight Amanda at bantamweight. Uh, so she very well may get her uh, her wish. Yeah, for sure. I agree. I actually posted a, a quick little recap tweet of all the fights really fast. And that was one of the things I mentioned on Holly Holm was that her wrestling looked great and her ground game looked great. And that just makes her that much more of a dangerous fighter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Amanda and Holly, that would be a fresh matchup. They haven't fought each other. So mm-hmm. I would be interested in seeing that, especially with Holly's striking uh, pedigree and the strength, because that's the area that Amanda normally has the advantage is in the strength department. So fighting someone as strong as you are and maybe even stronger than you are um, that and has the movement to evade your strikes. Whew, yeah, that I, I'm getting excited just thinking about that. Yeah, I agree. I, it, that fight needs to happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, which which card do you want to talk about next? Uh, we can move to the well. While we're on UFC, we can talk about Dana White's uh, contender series oh, that's yeah. kicked off. Yeah. Why don't we work in reverse and we'll start with um with last week and then go back to week one because that's where all of uh I know that's where all the drama is going to to uh, <laughs> take place. As uh, Triple G would say, big drama show. So that that's a uh, that's what a big drama show is going to be. Um, yeah. man, but man, the, I love the contender series. Love it, love it, love it, love it because they are bringing everything with them into the fight. They know that not only do they have to win, but they have to win with style points. And last week was phenomenal. Five fights, five stoppages, four contracts. I mean, I did not expect to see that. I thought maybe they'd give three, but I did not see four contracts coming out of the tough gym that night. Um, feel bad for the one person who did not uh, get a contract, uh, which was Austin Springer. He, he was the only one that did not get a contract. But, man, uh, they they did their thing. Uh, I have to say this: that there were some legendary matchups on the um, nickname side. You had uh, the zombie walking into the cage with a body snatcher, and then the zombie uh, getting his soul snatched up uh, <laughs> at the three and a half minute mark of the fight, uh, getting caught with that overhand right, and then with fifteen seconds or fifteen seconds later, getting caught with that left hook. And an uppercut, oh my goodness, just put them clean out, clean out. 
Uh, then you had Superman Span versus He-Man Sorty. And uh, the Man of Steel got it done in that fight. Sorty was doing really, really well. Um, and he caught Span with the right, but left himself defenseless. Uh, Span countered with his own right and then slapped that front choke on, and it was a done deal. Not only did he uh, get the submission, but he uh, he put him in sleepy time, put him on the uh, punches ticking on the train in sleepy time. <laughs> uh, you know, he had uh, Fluffy Hernandez with a name like Fluffy. You gotta be a hitter, man. You gotta be a hitter if your nickname is Fluffy. <laughs> Got to. And boy, he put it on the Beverly Hills Ninja. Oh my goodness. Oh, that was phenomenal. And then Sales uh, doing it to Yazzle Dazzle in the first round. Uh, which of those fights stood out the most to you? Um, I actually, just talking with, uh, I mean, obviously you had the Grant fight um, that you uh, you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Grant is the, uh, Grant uh, was a body snatcher. Uh, yeah. body snatcher. I couldn't remember which one was which, so I didn't want to say. Um, but yeah, I actually wrote down on my notes here that that nasty, that nasty left uppercut was what just I mean, he lifted him. I mean, I, I, he might have already been out on the right, but that, that left uppercut, whether you were awake or not, didn't matter who you were, that thing was going to about knock his head off. Um, that was impressive, but uh, that guillotine <laughs> that Span set down, I thought yeah. he was going to take his hat home with him <laughs> and hang it on his mantle. <laughs> Holy smokes. Man. He, like, lifted that thing up, and I said, man, that guy's not going to be able to breathe right for a week. He's going to have to liquefy everything. That thing was in so deep. Uh, that one, honestly, those two uh, impressed the heck out of me. I know he had a couple other KOs and TKOs early in the in a couple first rounds, but yeah. – uh, I believe that guillotine, the, the span was what top the first 30 seconds, something like that. It was really quick. The, the yeah, fight did not quick. go. Um, I know that. I usually was, write down the time and I don't, I didn't write it down for some reason. Yeah. The, well, they, they got to the second round. They, okay. Uh, it did the that in the second round. Yeah. And so uh, it must have been early in the second then. Yeah. He caught, he caught him with the overhand right um, at about the three and a half minute mark. So at about, uh, three minutes and 15 seconds um, is when everything was over. So they, they were only in it for under two minutes in the second round, but uh, did make it to the second round. <laughs> what was funny to me, though, I forgot about this. I saw it in my notes when you took, when you start talking about the fight. <laughs> I forget the, uh, I, I want to say that he was fighting. I forget the guy's name he was fighting. Uh, but when he was sitting on the stool after the fight, <laughs> I don't know if you heard this or not, but uh, they, uh, the the camera was near him. He was like, "What? No, no, he, he didn't knock me out. I slipped." I was like, "Yeah, you slipped. Uh, you slipped all right. Slipped out of consciousness." <laughs> I was like, "Man, that that was funny." No, no, I slipped. Yeah, you sure did. Listen, the land of the living into, I go. Uh, into sleepy time. Those are always my, some of my favorites. Uh, I think uh, that happened earlier in, in, I think, the first week of the the new tough season. 
Mm-hmm. Um, guy went out early and he woke up and he goes, "Did we, did we start yet?" <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, it, that was the first fight. He, he woke up. Yeah, and was like, so what bad. Why are you down? What? Oh, you like, uh, John Gunther, I believe, man, and he was just such a such a weird guy. But yeah, it's the same thing. He wake up. <laughs> did, did we start? What's going? What's going on? <laughs> Those are some of my favorite reactions. <laughs> yeah, well, what you know? Why are we starting on on the ground? We're not supposed to be doing wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's. Let's get into uh, into the first episode of season two, which uh, technically is uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series number nine. Uh, you had Holland with the unanimous decision win over Will Santiago. It was all right. No big deal. Nothing to write home about. Montel Jackson did his best Dundasso impersonation though boy and and uh when the fight was always like i'm not a dirty fighter uh, okay yeah you're not a dirty fighter <laughs> but you got every single foul that there was i poke <laughs> uh growing strike uh uh well he, i forget he did something else too it's like dude what the world you just you just doing everything uh <laughs> um yeah but that, that ko started with a knee uh and yeah, it that Enrico just dipped right into it. Her Dean should have stopped it a lot earlier than he did. Uh, but hey, um <laughs> I'm I'm not dirty. I just uh I just catch you with every single uh foul. Oh yeah, the fence grab. I think he had a fence grab too. It's like, dude, what what foul are you not going to uh to have? But yeah. Oh, and then God. um yeah, saving the peace de resistance. Uh, well, no, before that, um, yeah, and uh, Minifield. Minifield with that crazy, crazy KO in yeah. round one. It was like, which, uh, which way did he go? Which way did he go? Bam. Uh, caught him uh, immediately with that overhand right um, because he knew he was going to throw that kick and it was over. Um all right, so now back to the one that they printed up the posters of. Uh, Dan, not Dan Hardy. Uh, Ron Hardy. <laughs> Greg Hardy and Austin Lane. Uh, Hardy caught Lane with overhand right, dropped him, and then it was a done. Hit him with that left hook. After he <laughs> dropped him with the right. Uh, Lane went down, came back up, had his back to him, and got caught with that left, and it was a done deal. Now, you uh, you had some pretty strong words online regarding this, um, so I, I want to open the the floor for you regarding uh, one Mister Greg Hardy. Uh, yeah, this is actually part of the reason I haven't caught any of the. Dana White contender series. Um, I was not a fan when I saw that Greg Hardy was on the lineup. I mean, I, I know that Dana White has done some crazy things, especially to make, you know, big money draws. Sometimes there's controversial things, but this is one that kind of, I have to draw the line at. Um, I mean, it's, 
especially since like domestic abuse stuff. I mean, if, if you don't, if you're not familiar with Greg Hardy at all, because you're only a fight fan, um, he's been, I believe, suspended twice. Well, uh, essentially uh, suspended indefinitely. So therefore expelled from the league at least once suspended twice for domestic abuse um, on his girlfriend, wife. I don't remember who girlfriend, she was. Yeah. Um, and it was some pretty, some pretty gnarly stuff. I mean, they re- they released uh, uh, the the nine one one call. That you know, obviously pictures have been released. She's made many statements that she thought for sure that she was going to be killed this time, uh, this time. So I have a kind of a problem with that. I saw somebody, and I wish I remember who it was. I'd love to give her credit, um, but she was actually the one that posted something on Twitter that says that she has an ultimate. Uh, ultimately is disappointed in this because somebody with this kind of a background should not be the face of MMA. Mm. And I kind of furthered it and said that I don't believe that these, you know, somebody of, of that background now, and I'm not saying that, he, you know, a young man can't change. I'm not saying that, that he, you know, once you've made this, this mistake as massive as it may be, it doesn't mean that that's the way you're going to go for the rest of your life. But I do believe in, in punishments for what you've done. And I don't think that somebody that's um, obviously fantastic at beating up grown men uh, that has spent his time in the past of beating up his girlfriend should, should have this kind of opportunity. And I wish all sports would start to take this into account, uh, not just fighting, but it just happens to be fighting now that was kind of my opinion on it that uh, I just, I don't like the fact that Greg Hardy got the opportunity to fight, especially considering the charges that have been filed against him, but also to actually be awarded the contract. I mean, to me, it was almost like, I feel now worse for the young lady mm-hmm. after watching this fight. Cause I now see what she went up against. And I now see that she, I, I, I ultimately believe that she really thought she was going to die. Cause I mean, he did this to a, a very strong, very grown man. Yeah. And it uh, makes me also, feel worse. Yeah. And, you know, I, that I didn't think uh, about. So I'm glad you shared that piece of things because, yeah, not only was he fighting another grown heavyweight man, but this guy also was a uh, phenomenal athlete and was drafted in the same uh, draft class as Greg Hardy. You know, he also played professional football for years um but yeah bringing that specific point into it is something that i didn't think about that that is uh that's definitely food for thought i guess not i guess has there been punishment absolutely um he you know he has played football all of his life and definitely can make more money in a shorter period of time playing football than probably he would make in fighting. So, you know, ha- has he, you know, suffered some kind of punishment and things of that nature? Yeah, he, he has. Um, and as someone who believes in redemption, and, and not just redemption, but the ability to be forgiven, um, I, I, it's definitely not, a, it's definitely problematic for him to be, a fighter when he got kicked out of his other sport for fighting and for fighting, you know, women, Uh which is wrong. Let me say that off. Well, it's not off the top now, but let me make sure that I'm making this point extremely clear. 
what he did was wrong. There's no excuse for what he did. Was Were there some mitigating factors that led to that? Yes. But that does not make it right. Um, you know, are you in your right mind when you are uh, on drugs? Absolutely not. That's why you do it. You do them to get out of your mind. Um, do you do things in a uh, chemically altered state that you would not do if you were sober? Absolutely. And it happens all the time. It doesn't make any of it right. It still makes you responsible because you put yourself in the position to be out of your mind where these things could happen. So that's wrong. That's utterly, utterly wrong. As again, as someone who believes in forgiveness and believes uh, in allowing for redemption, because um, one of the things that stood out most to me regarding this, and I don't know if it was intentional or not. Um, actually, looking at it, I don't think it was intentional. He knew for quite some time that he was going to be fighting on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Everyone knew about it as soon as the season was, or even before the season was announced, knew it was going to happen. The man looked homeless. When I was, I was like, dude, I don't know where you live and what you're doing, but you, you're not doing too good right now. Uh, he might be sleeping at the gym, uh, you know, and, and, and things of that nature. It's like, you don't look good at all. I know being who you are, somebody would have cut your hair. Your hair hasn't been cut in like forever. What is going on in your life right now? Um, I mean, you know, he, he could get a haircut for free just for who he is and, and what's going on. And I know people at the gym, somebody cuts hair. And I think Will Brooks cuts hair. So you could get a haircut. Um, but that along with and he, he, his demeanor after the fight and everything was that of a very grateful and uh, humbled individual. And what really, because, you know, initially I was like, no, no, absolutely not. This can't happen. You know, and, and I was very, very against it. What caused me to have a bit of a softer heart regarding things was who he's with. Because he's with American Top Team. Uh, and he's being trained by Tyron Woodley's head coach, Dean Thomas, who's a no-nonsense kind of guy. And the, the things that he had to go through to get clearance and the things that I've heard from people associated with ATT, uh, most specifically King Mo. Shout out, salute to my man, King Mo. Night, just stand up. That's right. Uh, we lost the first game uh, or first match uh, in the World Cup, and we'll probably lose every match we win. But night, just stand up. We made it. The U.S. didn't. So, ha. To yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, you know, the, 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 the fact that all of these people who I have respect for 
are vouching for him speaks a lot to things. Again, what he did was wrong. It was wrong. Absolutely categorically, categorically wrong. He's from, from all signs and from everything that people are saying, he's changed. A lot of that was due to being on drugs, which and this is crazy. Uh, you heard about, um, I'm sure, or I don't know if you heard about this or not, but the moment that marijuana was legalized in Canada, then uh, Nick Young said, need to uh, uh, legalize cocaine. Everybody needs to legalize cocaine. I mean, everybody needs to do some cocaine. No, they don't. Crazy man. <laughs> when you do cocaine, you become a raging monster at uh, 200 some odd pounds and yeah, and, and, and go bananas. No. Nobody needs to do cocaine. Anyway, um, because of the changes and things, again, what he did was wrong. He cannot do what he wants to, loves to, and has prepared his whole life to do and what would make him the most money. Um, I think he should be afforded an opportunity to work. Is for optics' sake, is this the best decision uh, for him? Probably not. But what else is he gonna do? You know. So I, I, I definitely get and I understand everyone's uh, uh, take on it. And and you know, this is my take again. I do not. I'm not defending him at all. Defending his actions at all. Uh, sober. Or out of your mind, it's wrong. It's wrong. Um, and then he, he was—he didn't help himself at all afterward. And I think that's where most people are upset. But anyway, I, I digress. And I think we beat that uh, horse dead. Unless you got something else to add to it. I'll give you the last word. Not really. I mean, I think what you're saying is actually the opposite spectrum from kind of where I sit. Um, and again, it, it, it makes perfect sense. You know, nobody at least I would hope nobody's uh, nobody's like on his side for what happened, but it comes down to the, you know, he has paid the price for it. He's no a hundred percent. He's not going to go back to the NFL uh, and it, unless something just drastic changes. So you're right. He is kind of having this punishment. So I definitely understand. I, I personally don't think that anybody that's uh, defending his opportunity to fight is necessarily defending what he's done. Um, I just look at it slightly differently. I don't think I'm a very different thinker. I would rather have the NFL, the NBA, MMA. I mean, these, these different like violent crimes and stuff. Like personally, I don't think any of them should, should be in. I don't think talent should ever trump punishment. Uh, yes, you might be like, well, he's extremely talented. You know, the NFL might be different without him. I would rather have a bunch of kids that are good kids that are fighting to get to the NFL, but maybe don't have that extreme talent. I'd rather have them in than somebody that's, you know, beating up women that's getting, you know, into, into DUIs and killing families, um, different things like that. That's just my take on it. Again, I agree with you hundred percent that there's definitely um, your restoration. There's definitely forgiveness. There's definitely redemption. Uh, I just don't think that taking somebody from the spotlight and then putting them back into a different spotlight with the opportunity to be very successful. 
Um, I just feel like that's that's not that's almost like copping out on the punishment because he's talented. Therefore, talent trumps punishment. It's like, yeah, you did something wrong, and if Jimmy on the street did this, he'd go to jail for a long time. But you, you just don't get to play football, but you can fight in the UFC. Like to me, that's just that's splitting hairs. I don't necessarily care for. But I agree. Yeah. I feel like we are kind of beating a dead horse. I know it's been all over Twitter because we're two weeks behind. <laughs> so right. definitely. Um, but, you know, like I said, if uh, – I don't know, man. If, if he comes out and he really shows us great change and he becomes somebody that everybody doesn't think he can, you know, maybe somebody will look back on this and be like, hey, you know, it's possible. And it can be uh, one of those redemptive stories, I guess. All right, I, I, I've got other things to say, but I said I was going to give you the final <laughs> word, and I'm going to stick to my word. Um, all right, so that's that. Uh, last we've, well, last major we have is uh, the PFL, uh, which just wrapped up. Um, I've got so many notes, I don't think <laughs> I should be the one leading this, uh, but Sean O'Connell. I mean, that that was phenomenal what he did in his fight with Honey Marks. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, he got owned in round one. Owned and then hurt bad in the last minute of the round. Mm-hmm. And he got clipped again in the second round before because uh, he got caught with the left before um, before he countered with his own left and dropped Honey Marks. So, I mean, that that was, yeah. To me, that was the performance of the night. Uh, what what were your, what was your take on that fight? Yeah, I agree. As far as performance of the night, um, there's, I have one other contender that could, could possibly be, but. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that Sean O'Connell, man. I, we, we were even texting while it was happening. Um, yeah, I mean, that went completely from one side of the spectrum to the other. Uh, definitely, I actually put on my notes in the beginning of that first round that there were some really, really great sweeps by both guys. Um, they were doing really great rolling out and then, re, you know, changing position and sweeping and then, and then Marks would sweep back. And, and um, yeah, but that last minute he got, uh, O'Connell that is, um, got, I, in my opinion, he got rocked at least twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was not, you know, he kind of even came out of, of off the, uh, into the second round a little, uh, still looked like he was a little glassy and yeah, took another really hard shot and just out of nowhere, um, landed a huge left and I mean, just straight instinct pounced on him. And, uh, I thought that they could have probably stopped that fight a little earlier too. Cause at yeah. one point I was like, Oh, please stop it. I mean. <laughs> The guy hasn't moved in 30 seconds to stop the fight. I I was in my bedroom yelling at the TV, pounding on my bed. Stop the fight. Stop the fight, ref. Stop the fight. I don't know what uh, McDonald was doing or or what he was looking for. Uh, And he was closer than we are, you know, but it's like, even though a lot of this stuff was on the arms or whatever, he was not intelligently defending himself it was obvious that he wasn't going to do anything but stay turtled up so mm-hmm. but hey it, it got stopped uh finally and uh and i'm grateful for that so you said you thought another um another performance may have actually 
stolen the show. I think I know what it is, but I'll let you share it with the people. Oh, okay. So as far as another fight of the night contender, well, I guess theoretically I have, I have two. Well, one's like a fight of the night. The other one's like a round of the night. Okay. Um, the the And I'm going go to go to one that I don't think you're talking about, but if so, great minds think alike. Uh, I was a very big fan of the uh, the Brian Foster fight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the first two rounds, in my opinion, were very boring. Um, and I actually wrote in my notes that in this fight, one fighter wanted to not lose, but one fighter wanted to win, mm-hmm. and that's the PFL difference. Yeah, The PFL difference is you want to win, and you want to win in a round. Uh, I think it's Nahim. Nahim is how you say it? Ramsey. Yeah, Ramsey. Um, he kind of went out like he was trying to, to, to score a decision win, um, like you would in UFC or Bellator or any other promotion where points don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, he would take them down. He would basically stall on the ground, not a lot going on. And every time Foster got an opportunity, he was just winging punches. Mm-hmm. Um, even in the second round, I think he gained a little space and was just winging this weird, like hammer fist, like gorilla slap. And just and landed. <laughs> yeah, he, he, did, he did it from the uh, from the ground. From the, yeah, and, yeah, from the, the first one. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I mean, and then all of a sudden, you know, he had the opportunity in the third round. At the start of the third round, he came out um, and and eventually landed the KO. And but that's that PFL difference. Um, it is you know you don't want to go out there to not lose. You you don't want to go out there and stall rounds. You want to go out there and win. And uh, personally, just seeing. Anytime Foster got even just a tiny bit of space that he was just doing everything he could to wail on him or, or he went for a very deep Kimura right at the end of the first round. Yeah. Um, I thought you could actually make that a contender, even though it wasn't so much a two-sided fight. But honestly, I would watch Brian Foster probably fight every single fight in PFL if he's going to come out with that kind of energy. I think they said he has 28 victories and 27 knockouts i forget i i remember it was, so at, least, crazy, it was at least you know? at least it was 27 finishes it might not have been knockouts i don't know if he has a submission there but he only had one that went that's ever been to the, to the judge i thought that was <laughs> i could watch this guy fight that's the guy that pfl wants i hope he gets a better stronger matchup where you got two guys that are willing to come out and uh, and trying to finish each other in that first round and, and grab those six points as opposed to the three or four, I believe is what he got with the third yeah. round finish. Um, but I, I, I was a big fan of that fight in particular, in particular, Brian Foster. Yeah. That, well, that's the fight I thought you were speaking about when you said you had another one that you thought was, uh, was the more notable performance of the night. I mean, it, it was great. I had it one-to-one. Uh, well, actually I can't say that because I, <laughs> I had an issue with my uh, with my access tonight. It's like every time I turned around and tried to watch it, um, it, it, it something wasn't working right. I, uh, my Spectrum app, yes, Spectrum, I'm putting you out there. Uh, my <laughs> Spectrum app does not have um, NBCSN offline. You have to be online to see it. So I was like, oh, can't see it. So get home and I watch everything through my uh, Xbox uh, in in my man cave. I have my Xbox in my man cave, so uh, I was trying to watch it through that. There was some outage with the app where it wasn't working properly. 
Um, and it came in like right around the time that that, that was taking place. So I was like, okay, cool. I, I at least get to see it. And I uh, remember them talking about how, or I should say, Nism's corner, I heard very clearly say to him in between rounds one and two, don't trade with him. And he definitely took that to heart. And if they're saying don't <laughs> trade with him, I would think that meant that uh, Foster won round one. Nism took him to the ground. Uh, kept it fairly competitive there because he was the one on top. Uh, um, Foster had more ground, I mean, had more strikes in that round, but with it being him coming from on his back, or I should say striking from his back, judges tend not to count that as heavily as they do uh, strikes from the top. But yeah, that that uh, back fist, back hammer fist, uh, from the from his back was that that was nice. That was really nice. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I've yeah. never seen that approach before. <laughs> yeah, but that that uh, as they called it, bicycle knee. He called it switch knee. Uh, whatever it was, uh, that was nice. And then followed up with the ground, that heavy ground and pound, heavy heavy ground and pound. Um, McDonald was the ref in that fight too. He stepped in a lot sooner on that one than he did the other. So I don't know if maybe he um maybe he got a talking to was like, dude, you should have stopped that fight. So he wasn't gonna <laughs> yeah. let that happen again. But yeah, that that's that fight really stood out. All right. So you said a round of the uh the night. So I take it that was not your round of the night. So what was? Uh I was a I really enjoyed the seeing Kayla Harrison um, in her fight, her MMA debut. Yes, uh, I think I also texted you after or during that fight that I believe uh, Elkins' record was like three and four. It wasn't anything yeah, crazy was. good, but, but for a debut, um, for an MMA debut, not a bad record to to pit against. Right. Um, but there was just that was just pure domination. I think she took one punch on her way into the clinch. Mm-hmm. And from then on, she just – she took her to the ground. She got her back. She punched her in the face. She got to the side control, punched her in the face some more. Then she got back on her back and started raining blows. Finally took her side again, isolated the arm. And that roll yes. to finish the arm bar was arguably the most impressive thing I've ever seen on the ground. To hook the foot over the head, to drive the head into the ground, to cause the roll – I was like, that is incredible. That was so incredible. Yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> and then that just was, after that, it was sheer force, pull the arm off, win with an arm bar. <laughs> right. And uh, with the, the guns that she has, yeah, oh, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm doubting that anyone is stopping her arm bar attempt, male or female. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Uh, and I I, uh, I heard Boss say, he was like, her arms are bigger than mine. Yeah. I was like, hi, <laughs> he's being funny. And then I when they were uh, standing there for the final decision, I was like, "Man, she, I mean, yeah, she's uh, uh, she she's definitely definitely got some guns on her. That's for sure. Yeah, and she's got some good things going for. Her. I mean, we saw what Ronda Rousey did um, with with her judo background and how she quickly went through the the women's MMA ranks and and everything that she did." And I believe she was a silver medal judo, uh, whatever they're called, <laughs> judo players. Judoka, I don't know. Yeah, judoka, judo player. Yeah, yeah whatever. I, I, and I believe Harrison was a two-time gold. 
Yeah, I know she was a goal. Yeah. Oh, you were talking about Rousey. Rousey got the bronze. Yeah, Rousey. Yeah, oh, bronze, was it? Okay. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, if, if her – I don't know. I mean, obviously different competition, different um, different things. Uh, but, I mean, she has a, a very good opportunity to, to be very, very lethal in, in women's MMA, especially with her size. I mean, her striking was fantastic as well and her groundwork. Right. Uh, on, on the ground. I, I mean, we didn't see much on her feet. But, I mean, she was picking her shots, and she was just a straight sniper on her back. Yeah, <laughs> Everything she, landed. Yeah, she was uh, – She and it, it's interesting, in the lead-up to it, she was talking about how foreign striking was. But when they showed her hitting mitts, I was like, for somebody who's striking is foreign <laughs> to, you seem to have taken to this fairly well. And she had no problems at all uh, punching Big Bird. Uh, in the face, like you said, she her grounding pound was, uh, yeah, it, it was nice. It was really nice. So, uh, I the only thing that makes me wonder how things will go for her, and I mean, it does, but it doesn't, is the uh, weight class at which she's fighting at. I've never seen a lightweight women's title i mean not title but a lightweight women's fight before tonight yeah me neither i believe it was even considered a special event yeah they they called it a special event because it wasn't a part of the uh the pfl format she's not fighting uh in a tournament there's no no one else fighting but her so i could okay. see her being another cyborg and where they just keep finding people to come in for her to beat up and uh, make her name like that. Uh huh. Because again, uh, it's seemingly difficult to find women at 145. I mean, every time Cyborg fights, she's been fighting 135 pounders that have come up to 145 for the uh, ability to fight her, or 140, depending on. Um, when in her UFC career you're, you're speaking of. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I mean, I enjoyed it like you did, and, and I look forward to seeing her fight again. All right, that leaves um, one fight left. Uh, yeah, just one. And, yeah, I talked about seeing fights live and in person here in St. Louis. I uh, had the I've been a every Bellator that's been here. So three times I've seen Bellator. And like I said, when you got St. Louisans fighting, like Michael Chandler, oh yes, everything that's done is is crazy. Um, <laughs> and every time he wins, it's electric. Oh my goodness. I mean, we go bananas. But one of the times that he fought and we went bananas is when he uh won the title and knocked out I think that's when he knocked out Pitbull. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That was crazy. And then after that fight, it was a title fight for the lightweight title in Bellator. Will Brooks and Marcin held. And if that was not the most boring fight in <laughs> the world. And from that point forward, Will Brooks has fought like that. I mean, it's just been um, um, oh, okay, so I, I scratched that. He uh, he wasn't fighting for the title then. Uh, um, 
uh, Chandler wasn't because Brooks was still the champion. So he was fighting yeah. somebody. He he knocked out somebody. It was crazy. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, Will Brooks is just he's boring. Just boring. I mean, there's no getting around it. He His fighting style uh, is one that leaves something to be desired again. Uh, I love American Top Team. I have all respect for ATT. I have respect for him as a fighter. Um, and he has done some phenomenal things when he fought Michael Chandler and made Chandler turn around and walk the opposite way uh, with a punch. I mean, it's not that he can't do some great things. It's just that his his approach is one that that uh, leaves something to be desired. You know, I, I'd like to see him invest more in ground and pound. He's just kind of happy to get you there and punch you enough to uh, to win the round and to keep the uh, keep the 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 refs refs from standing it up. But especially in the PFL, I, I knew looking at their records because most of Buscapé's fights ended in decision and Brooks is a decision master. I knew it was going to a decision. When when they say, yeah, you know, well, I, I didn't expect this to go to a decision. I was like, I don't know why you didn't. <laughs> because I sure did. Um, I would like to see him, especially with being in the PFL. Because did you get the win? Yes, you did. But you didn't do yourself any favors as far as points are concerned. Um, and there's still opportunity, even if he wins his next fight, there's still opportunity if if everyone else who won wins again and, um, you know, someone else scores, you know, six points or so, he could be on the outside, especially if they score six points and they score their six uh, by a first-round stoppage that may carry more weight than two uh, decision wins. And he could be on the outside looking in with this this point uh, format the PFL has. Absolutely. I mean, that's the style that I was talking about with, uh, I don't remember what fight we're talking about, oh, the Foster fight. Yes. Um, that, you know, Brooks, uh, and again, it's not, a, it's not bad in other formats. I mean, it's boring. Um, but it's not, it's not a bad thing, you know, take, take top control, you know, be on the outside, pushing an, your opponent against the fence. Those things score points, uh, land your jabs, things like that, uh, leg kicks. Um, but to me, that's fighting to not lose, not necessarily mm-hmm. fighting to win. That's, that reminds me a lot of like point fighting in, in karate or mm-hmm. something similar. Um, and in PFL format, you're right. I mean, you can win. You can win all of your fights going up the thing and be kicked out, you know, and never make the playoffs because other guys were getting first and second round finishes and even third round finishes. I mean, they were just getting the finish, right. uh, which gave them that extra point or two points or three points. Yeah, you can win. It doesn't matter. I mean, you can you can run the tournament and, and dominate and win everything 30-27. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. You might not even never make the playoffs. Because um, you're fighting to not lose, not fighting to win. You're not, you're not in Bellator anymore. You're not in UFC anymore. I mean, you're this PFL, which which runs this point system. Um, you you have to be cognizant of that point system. Yeah, and he said that he wanted to uh, he wanted to stop the fight, but he reverted to what he knows and what he does. I wrestle, so you know I, I'm wrestling that, and that's. It's just like, you know, if you swim and for me, 
like in swimming, I love the breaststroke. So if I'm in the pool, I'm doing the breaststroke. That's just what's going on. Uh, and he he definitely did that. Now, I'll say this. I forgot about one fight. We missed one, um, which was highly, <laughs> highly controversial. Uh, so maybe it's good that we're, we're uh, closing out the PFL with this. Uh, but yeah, that, that fight was a wash. So you actually only have five people with points because since uh, Efren Escudero missed weight, him winning didn't do anything. He just did not get any points, nor did Jason Hyde get any points uh, because he lost, but he didn't lose. Uh, you know, he was like, I didn't, I didn't tap. I didn't tap. And we were uh, texting back and forth. And I, I, when they, when they did it again, I was like, okay, I now, and, uh, just like, uh, just like with uh, our discussions about Mr. Hardy, I am not, uh, this is a disclaimer. I am not taking up for or justifying the actions of the ref. He was wrong. He did not tap. Ref obviously was not, I mean, I've never seen him before, so obviously he's not one of the more experienced refs. Um, but I could see how, because especially that first time where he went to grab him, it did look like a tap because his hand kind of came in and then it went out. And then his hand came in again, and I think he thought, oh, my goodness. He tapped that first time because I think he was a little out of position and came around. I think he thought, oh, my goodness, he tapped that first time, and he's going in to tap again. Let me stop it because he's been in this choke for quite some time and I don't want him to you know pass out or be hurt or anything of that nature uh but he was wrong and then it was just yeah it was a bad call I get how he did it but it was a bad call yeah um I agree uh I've watched it a number of times because I'm 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 trying to see I because I do I do see but you're right as far as out of position if I'm if I remember correctly watching it you can kind of catch a glimpse of him Looks like looking at the fighters, he was standing over the left shoulder uh, when the choke was in the right side, which mm-hmm. is where the, the tap would have been. So for high, it would have been his left hand, and he would, looking at the ref would have been across um, uh, Escadero's body. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree, you're right. He probably saw the shoulder go in twice. Um, as opposed to see what he was doing with his hand, noticing he wasn't tapping. Looked to me like he was looking for the wrist. And then the second time, it looked like he just slid his hand up to get that higher position. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it was definitely uh, – def- again, I'm with you. I've never seen this referee before. Um, not that I can remember. Um, I think it was uh, definitely, definitely early, definitely wasn't out. I thought with the positioning alone – that he would have let that let that one slide until there was a, a, a more definitive tap. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of referees kind of run off that that you know rule of three just to avoid those kind of things. You know, typically if you're going to tap, you're going to go more than just one little hit because it can be misconstrued as a slap, a palm strike, something like that. Um, but with the position, with how high his hips were. I figured if, if he was waiting to see, I mean, you would have seen the hips sag um, as he started to go out or did go out, in which case you could have stopped it. And instead, he kept high. The part that throws me off the most is that when he stopped, he stopped it in the middle of high bucking up. I mean, it wasn't like he stopped it and then he did. I mean, he was, he was getting better position when he stopped it. 
So that's, I guess, what throws me off even more is the stoppage. The time of the stoppage was weird, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he was he was actually gaining a positive advantage for the choke by pulling his hips up higher, and that's when he stopped it. He might have already just been coming in to stop it and just couldn't stop himself. Therefore, I don't know. But, yes, definitely an early stoppage. Um, I do not, however, condone any of – uh, Jason High's antics at the end. I do understand them. I mean, you have the opportunity here because I had on my card High winning both rounds, uh, the, the first two rounds. You know, this could cost him a shot because now he gets no points where he could have, if he survived that choke in the rest of that round, he could have at least gotten three. Mm-hmm. Um, I do definitely understand his frustration. Hopefully, he kind of comes down. Hopefully he kind of comes out and says something, you know, Hey, my bad. I, you know, obviously I got a million dollars on the mind and I, I, I did not like the shove of the ref. Um, I don't know if you saw that as soon as he gets up, he says, I didn't tap. I didn't tap and kind of shoves him sitting on his knees. Um, and then of course, throwing the chairs on his way to the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I, I can understand the frustration. Um, hopefully it doesn't happen again whether you have to sit down and talk with this gentleman and say, Hey, look, we're going to have to come up with something <laughs> or, or whatever. But uh, I was also, I, I do want to bring this up though, not to take anything away from uh, Escudero who, who obviously was able to cinch in the choke and, and did actually get the victory um, regardless of whether or not we agree with it. Um, mm-hmm. He does end up with it. Cause I actually texted you about that when I saw that he was seven pounds over that blew yeah. me away. And I asked, and as soon as I asked if I would have waited like one more second, they said it on the TV um, about if, was he a late addition. I find that very strange that they brought him in with no chance of getting points at all on a week's notice. Um, you, you figure that they would have tried to find someone closer to 155 if that was the case, or at least if he was able to get the finish, don't get the win bonus, but the finish bonus. Uh, you know, you know, or not the 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 win points, but the finish bonus. So I would have liked to have seen him get one point because it's I, it's hard for me to say that a guy that misses weight by seven pounds and only had a week to cut. You know, I, I would have liked to see him have something where this fight meant something to well, the other guy. You know what? I, I I actually applaud the PFL for the way that the rules are with this. And if more uh, if more organizations had this structure with the point format, I think that would make a great big difference in the way that things go. Because had this been in Bellator, had this been in the UFC, and he won the fight, it's just like, okay, he won. And he moves on with his career being seven pounds overweight, a la uh, Mackenzie Dern. You know, you not only did she move on, they even put her uh uh in the rankings. It's like she yeah. she was a uh she was a flyweight, she was not a straw weight. Like the, no, you don't get to be in the rankings fighting a flyweight at straw weight. Um I'm a, a, a straw weight to flyweight. Anyway, had this been a different organization and different structure, I would agree with you. I like the fact that he couldn't get any points because it really <coughs> just, or I shouldn't say justifies, but it nullifies any advantages that he could have by coming in overweight. Now, as far as who they found and all that, come on, we know that fighters will say whatever they need to say to get the contract and then pray and hope that they're able uh, to make the way. Uh, look at um, 
what's my man's name? Uh, uh, Bless, Max Bless Holloway, when he oh, stepped yeah. in for uh, uh, Tony Ferguson, he was, you know, doing his best to make the weight. And they said, no, we don't like this cut. You got to stop it. Um, you know, so it's not, I don't think it's that he didn't want to make the weight. It's just, it it wasn't enough. And there have been others. I remember uh, reading something recently about a guy who cut about 46 pounds in two weeks to make a fight. You know, so they, they go through some pretty drastic things uh, to get down to the weight. And it's not like he couldn't, like it's unheard of for it to happen. It's just that he was unable to do it. And he definitely, it doesn't even look like he was trying to cut weight though. It was a, a Mackenzie Dern kind of situation where, uh, she had a muffin top, and he did too. It's like, what? What did you do to try to cut weight? You, you just—I uh, I don't know what you did. You took a regular bath instead of an Epsom salt bath. And what, what did you do? Because you don't—you don't look like you tried at all, at all. But then you know who knows what kind of shape he was in. I mean, I, he won, but yeah. Anyway, that—that's that. All right, we are about an hour in. Um, so I, I had some stuff on Cage Warriors, uh, but we'll 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 leave that be. Salute to everyone who won. P, uh, Phil Mo Peter, uh Brian Bulin, um uh the crazy fight between Hubert Givens and, and Donovan uh Desma. Uh they were yeah, they were trading leather like 1800 pioneers men <laughs> um, you know so salute to them for those things but that's about all I say uh, regarding that did you want to give some high level about the CES fight that uh, that you saw uh, no I won't because uh, honestly uh, you know I don't know maybe hardcore fans might recognize some of the names but what I did want to just mention kind of in closing to wrap all this up um, you know I know that most people think when you talk cage warriors or CES or LFA or any of these other organizations that that were like, well, you guys are just hardcore fans, um, which is not, not entirely true. The casual <laughs> fan can definitely watch these. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, if you're finding these and you already know about them, yeah, you probably started off as a hardcore fan, but I would highly recommend finding it. Most people have the channels on access TV. It's a X S I believe. Um, they have really good fights. LFA is essentially considered the minor league for the UFC. Yeah. Um, I mean, some really great fighters that you do know their names now have come through there. Um, and you're going to see people that are there currently move up. Um, so definitely check those out. I mean, don't, don't just because it's not UFC, which is synonymous nowadays with MMA or it's not Bellator that you might catch on Spike or uh, Paramount, not Spike, Network. Paramount Network now. Um, you know, make sure, I think it's, I don't know what channel it is. Uh, I think if you have direct TV, it's like three forty. I mean, they definitely have fights almost every Friday. So if mm-hmm. you just like watching fighting, you want to, to bring people together, just have a little party. And I'll tell you what, these are exciting fights. I think on the seven fight card, there were six finishes and that is not the anomaly. That is the norm where you see a majority of finishes very seldom. It's essentially a glorified free version of the contender series because these are all people trying to get called up to these bigger promotions 
in particular the Uf, uh, UFC. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're going to see these guys go all out, or these these women sometimes go all out. Um, definitely check those out. You don't have to be a hardcore fan to enjoy great fights. Absolutely. Um, and actually, that's how you become hardcore is by finding these and uh, enjoying these great fights. With that being said, next week, we will be covering a whole lot of MMA. We got uh, Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series is still going on. So we got that. We have UFC Singapore. We have one championship uh, going on. And then I want to say, oh, no, no, that was on Dana White. So uh, speaking of LFA and CES and, and the things on Access TV. Uh, the one fight that we got a chance to watch together and uh, do a, a live chat on Facebook about was a fight where uh, Niviana, hold on, where is it? Uh, no, uh, Niviera is her last name, uh, but Jamaline uh, uh, Niviera. Uh, beat uh, Katie Collins, I believe, was her believe name. So. And uh, Miss Niviera is, and I'm sure I'm butchering her name, but she is in the featured fight of Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series this week against oh, Antonia Shevchenko. So uh, it gives you the ability to kind of grow with the fighters and see them come up. And when you say, you know, and ladies, it's like, yeah, it was, it's a lady who's. Uh, Who's getting, you know, her shot? You know, these are people that you'll see in Bellator and and uh, and in one and in some of the other places. So definitely, definitely, um, if you want to learn more about the sport, watching those kinds of fights helps tremendously. Uh, with that being said, make sure that your internet bill is paid because uh, the fights this weekend you will have to stream. Um, UFC Singapore is on uh, Fight Pass and then One Championship obviously is on their app so uh, you'll have to stream both of those fights as well as Dana White's Tuesday Night Extension Series so unless there is a CFFC or uh, CES or uh, LFA on Access TV. Well, I know I said a whole bunch of letters. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're not going to see anything on the networks this week, uh, but a whole lot of fighting going on. That's for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, UFC's pushing their uh, seven day free trial as well. So if you really, really want to watch uh, the Singapore fight, but you don't necessarily want to pay for UFC Fight Pass. You can jump on and get the seven day trial, I believe. Yeah, well, I would encourage you pay for Fight Pass. They've got a fifteen dollar, um, two month deal going for the. So, um, what's normally ten dollars if you were just paying monthly, uh, you can get for uh, uh, one and a half times and have it for this whole time. You also have access to their library of all fights pay-per-views get posted a month later so yeah it's uh it's 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 worthwhile specifically for the hardcore fan it's worthwhile for sure and that means you can go back and watch that Whitaker Romero fight if you didn't get a chance to see it live (laughs) exactly I I don't care how long ago it was watch that (laughs) stupid fight it was fantastic right (laughs) 
stretch. And, and if the contender series carries as long as I think it uh, does, then you'll be able to see uh, the international fight week card as well. Cause it, it, that's in about a week or so. Yep. So, yeah. So. All, all right. Well, uh, until then, this has been aftermath giving you the week that was in MMA. I'm your man, the voice with the bearded wonder himself, Josh Musu. Until next week, enjoy the fights. See ya.